Welcome to Ozark Natural Foods, the co-op podcast featuring stories and information about the largest food co-op in Arkansas. Based in Fayetteville and serving all of Northwest Arkansas, the co-op has been around for 50 plus years, providing community and encouraging a love of food that is good for us and our planet. Learn our history and standards of quality. Meet our co-op members, employees, and vendors and understand why being locally focused is vital to our food, products, and economy. The co-op has leveraged cooperative economics here in Northwest Arkansas to bring the freshest and the best food to our whole community. Listen to Ozark Natural Foods, the co-op podcast today to learn why. Welcome to the Ozark Natural Foods Co-op Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and we have a great episode in store for you today. We are sitting down with Joshua Youngblood and Danielle Dotson to learn more about them and their participation with the co-op. They are current board members of the co-op and have been longstanding members of the co-op. And we thought it would be good just to connect with them and learn a little bit more about their experience here specifically on the board and also just their experience with co-ops in general. And Joshua particularly has a lot of history when it comes to the co-op. And so does Danielle. Which, so I think this is really interesting, but we'll get into that in a second. Danielle, Joshua, how are you guys doing? Just great, Randy. Pretty good. Good. Well, good. I'm glad. First thing I want you to do is I just want you to tell the audience just a little bit about yourself and how you got connected with the co-op. And as always, ladies first. So Danielle, we'll give you the honors and the first shot at sharing your superhero origin story. Thanks, Randy. So I became a member of the co-op in, I believe, 2009. I moved up here from small town in 2008. Right around that time, I was starting to care a little bit about the food that I ate and put in my body. There were a couple really riveting documentaries out there and I watched one and like it, Super Size Me. Uh it was Food Inc. Oh Food Inc. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Changed my life. Yes. More food like, Inc. is a really oh good Oh my gosh, yeah. what am I eating? Yeah. So having watched that and then seeing that there was a place for me to go to get quality food, vegetables, meat, um, I started shopping at the co-op. Shortly after I became a member, I began working at the co-op while I was in college. I worked at, in the front end as a cashier, and then I worked in the marketing department for a little bit. Worked at the co-op for about a year and a half, left for a couple of years, and then realized that I still wanted to be involved in the co-op and what it stood for. And how do I do that besides being more than just a member. So I ran for the board and was seated in 2013. Okay. So I've been on the board since then. I was just recently reelected uh, to another term. In my personal life, I'm a marketing director at Adventure Subaru. I still care deeply about the food that I put into my body, <laughs> but also it's become a greater thing of how do more people have access to the foods that we provide and how do we create create that space for members in our community and how do we eliminate food deserts and especially in northwest arkansas i mean we're pretty resource rich but there's still a lot of a lot of work to do so that's kind of why i continue the work on the board because i know it's more than just selling food it's right. making a difference in our community yeah no absolutely 
you know, I'd be curious to know what was your experience or understanding of co-ops before you actually started working at the co-op? I had none. None whatsoever, <laughs> huh? Okay. No, you know, growing up in a small town, we had the electric co-op. Yeah. There was the farmer's co-op. But as far as any cooperative grocery store or shopping in any kind of cooperative business, I had zero experience. Okay. So what initially drove me to Ozark Natural Foods wasn't that it was a co-op. It was because it was a great place to buy healthy groceries. Yeah. So becoming a member and understanding what a membership meant... Then I started to learn about, oh, it's a cooperative and we all have a say in what the business does and your voice matters. Then things started to open up and, and you know, you kind of go down the wormhole a little bit of like, oh, so this is a co-op. But what does that mean? Right. How, do, how do you as a member, what voice do you have? So before shopping, zero experience. And then I've just immersed myself in it the last 10 years. And you are now a subject matter expert. That could be, you know, (laughs) argued, but (laughs) thank you. Thank you. No, very good. Still learning. I mean, it's it's not just you get it in one day. Yeah. Being a board member, being a staff member, there's just a there's a lot to learn. And is you have to give yourself plenty of grace. Sure. To know that you're not always going to understand what the bylaw means or why we have these certain policies. But it's leaning on your other board members who have the experience and the wherewithal, like Joshua. Yes. And Randy. Perfect. Perfect transition you know, right there. They, just, they help you out. So. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Very good. Joshua, I'd love for you to introduce yourself to the audience and, and tell them a little bit about you and your background. And, and yeah, we'll go from there. Sure thing. Well, um, I'm Joshua Youngblood. I moved to Fayetteville in 2011. Um, I'd been living in Tallahassee, Florida for 10 years before that. I moved here for a job at the university. Um, I was working for the State Archives of Florida. And I was looking for a little bit more secure position and an academic position. A university job came open here. And some of my research background touched on Arkansas. It's like, okay, why not? I'll apply for a job at the library here. And I got it, which was very fortunate. It's also kind of unexpected. I had actually come up with a list of five cities in the United States that I would move to if a job came open. (laughs) And Fayetteville was on that list because I knew somebody at my co-op down in Florida who had actually told me, you know where you'd fit in really well? Fayetteville. You're a very Fayetteville guy. And I really <laughs> didn't know what he meant. But then a job came open. My boss actually for the state of Florida is like, yeah, I'll totally write your recommendation for this. It was to do research and outreach for the archives in the university libraries. Applied for the job, got the job, moved here July 2011. I had been on a co-op board for six years Okay. Uh, before that Okay. because I was really active in my co-op down in Tallahassee. And so I got here and then I had told myself, okay, six years, co-op leadership, board work, that's enough. Take a break, do some something else. And then sure enough, I walk into the store, first place I shopped, of course, right when I got to, to Fayetteville. I walk in, I was like, oh, this is a pretty great store. I was blown away by the meat selection, actually. That was the <laughs> thing, because we didn't have all the local farmers for meat down in Florida. Yeah. So I went to ONF. I was like, okay, I'm buying the chorizo, and I'm buying this sausage, and I'm buying that sausage, and I'm buying this chicken. And I walked out, and it was just me at that point, because my family <laughs> had moved up here. So I walked out like this big basket of meat. I don't know what I was expecting to do with all that. But, <laughs> but then, you know, after being here a few months, there was a desire, I think, among the community and the co-op to pour some new leadership. There was a little bit of a, some governance change happening. And so I actually got recruited 
to run for the board. Okay. And so even though I'd said I wasn't going to join the board, sure enough, I was only here for a few few months and then was elected in February of 2012. And so I've been on the board ever since then. Down at, at New Leaf Market, which is now called the Community Co-op down in Tallahassee, I started there in 2006. And then, so that doesn't work. I guess it was five years I was on that board. But I was a secretary and then I was president for three years. And so I got to meet a bunch of national people and I had gone to co-op conferences and I really learned a lot about co-ops during that experience. Mm-hmm. And so when I moved to Fayetteville, I think that was partly why people recruited me because they knew I'd come down. There was, you know, some consultants that said, hey, there's a guy that actually really cares about co-ops. He's down there. So if you're trying to recruit people for the board. It's a little weird, though, because I'd only been a member of the co-op for a few months. Right. Uh, but then sure enough, came into a little bit of a leadership vacuum on the board. And so I got made president right away. So wow. I was president from... February 2012. And then for six years, I was president of this board and then I've been on the board for another five. So, Man. And so prior to New Leaf, had you had any co-op experience like growing up in Louisiana? Yeah. So there, at that point, there were no co-ops in Louisiana other than okay. farmers co-ops. Similar okay. to what Danielle said, you know, I'd, see, I'd heard the word co-op before yeah. with different businesses. I'm glad to say that there is a co-op in Louisiana now, New Orleans Food Co-op. If you're ever in New Orleans, go okay. by. It's a great place, a little community center. But no, not in Louisiana. And then I also grew up in Georgia. No co-ops around me in yeah. Augusta, Georgia either. Yeah. But when I was in Tallahassee, New Leaf is similar to kind of Ozark National Foods at that point because it'd been around for a long time. It was a counterculture co-op founded in the early 70s. It was started in 1974. Been around for just, it seemed like forever. Everybody had a relationship with the co-op. Yeah. But I also did lots of other fun things in Tallahassee like meet my wife, get married. <laughs> Try to move away, couldn't move away. We loved Tallahassee, came back, got a job, and then had kids. And when I had kids, actually, when my wife, Teresa, became pregnant with our first child, we started really thinking about food. And we had thought about food. We were both kind of foodies and like we like to make our own stuff. But where it came from, the sourcing, the ethics with our food, the long chain of our food, how it connects to the local farmers, all of that became real all of a sudden. And so we started getting more involved with the co-op. The co-op, of course, had educational opportunities, meetups, and apologies to both of you because you've probably heard this story, but there was a community outcry about how we were sourcing our bananas. And so me (laughs) and a bunch of other way too angry people were mad about the bloody bananas, as we called them, uh, because of like corporate sourcing of our organic bananas, which is great. We should have been concerned about it. But so the management at the co-op actually had a meet and greet with concerned owners and members. Yeah, They said, hey, come talk to us. We will explain our sourcing decisions, our price point with it, you know, whether or not it's worthwhile having fair trade and organic bananas or, you know, how we do it. Just come. And so I showed up and asked all these hard questions, arrived at the meeting angry, left well-informed. It's like, okay, fair enough. They Definitely sat down and talked to all of us. And then uh, because I showed up for something, the board recruited me. That's how I got involved. (laughs) Um, So started going to the co-op because I was concerned about food, started buying all the stuff, and then showed a little bit of interest in something a little bit deeper. And they recognized that. And so they they pulled me in. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny you say that because, I mean, I think back and I've I've shared this on several of the episodes of this podcast is that obviously our co-op, the co-op here, Ozark Natural Foods, has a standards of quality where they evaluate every product that the co-op sells with our health in mind and that uh, they stand behind the principle of not carrying genetically modified foods in the store. 
period. And then it goes on to share that, you know, all the products sold at Ozark Natural Foods are free of artificial preservatives, artificial colors, artificial flavors, artificial sweeteners, chemical additives, added MSG, non-irradiated, organically grown and locally sourced whenever possible. I mean, there is a lot of effort that goes into putting the food that we see on the shelves at the co-op. I mean, you know, that's just the way that yeah. it is. Yeah. And when you think of it compared to other outlets, I'll call them, that offer food, that offer groceries and other products, there is a lot of care that goes into that that you don't always find elsewhere. Yeah, it's always seemed to me, and talking to the people that do the buying and talking to Mike and other people in management, everything that ends up on our shelf or ends up being put on, and uh, this is how I think we're actually a little bit different than other co-ops, even stuff that goes on the hot bar, stuff that's made for a la carte, every single product has been evaluated and chosen. And that's, it's hard for me even still having been on the board since 2012 to wrap my head around that. Yeah. Because again, I know a lot of co-ops. I've been to a lot of co-ops and I know that a lot of co-ops who do a better job than every other grocery store don't do that level yeah. of selection and curation of what's in there. Uh, sorry for using the word curation. That's one of those words that people <laughs> use all the time. But it feels it feels that way. It feels like it's a curated selection. And so, you know, it's tough to keep the stores, the shelves stocked all the time. Certainly tough to keep uh, affordable alternatives in there. And we have really rigorous product standards. Right. And that's partly why every single item is chosen. But to have the selection of fair trade, organic, and then also locally sourced stuff that our co-op has is just really amazing. And to keep enough there that people can actually do a full week's worth of grocery shopping with everything there with those same standards is pretty, pretty amazing. It's incredible. And I mean, I think, like you said, I mean, it's the best of the best. So we see that in there. And as you said, and I know you do this and Daniel, I know you do this because we've all bumped into each other at the grocery store, at the checkout line. But, you know, there's you can pretty much get all of your shopping done at the co-op, which can't always say that for a lot of co-ops and, you know, in terms of availability and what's there. And everybody's dealing with issues of supply chain that is kind of the new thing since the pandemic. And now that we're coming out of the other side of the pandemic, you know, we're all every I think everyone is hoping that that the supply chain improves. But one of the things that is in to our advantage with regard to the supply chain is because we have a higher focus on locally sourced and locally sustained food and products. We have a much better chance of not having the supply chain affect us as much. Yeah. You know, even if you're not somebody that is, a, in a, is you know, I have three kids, I have a big family. I do a lot of shopping at the co-op. It's tough to always fill out a week's worth of food all the time and, and to get it all in there. But, you know, there's lots of different shoppers. And if you're not someone who does all of your shopping at the co-op, I think the trust in the certain product selection means that the one thing that you do need to get there, like I'm not into health and wellness stuff necessarily. Yeah, I yeah, do other things yeah. well, I hope, but, you know, I'm not person with the best supplements and I'm not exercising as much as I need to. <laughs> sure. But for those people that do need really good protein powder, maybe yeah, uh, a non-animal based or non-dairy based protein powder. And I see these people that are not shoppers like me at all coming to the co-op to get that stuff because it's the best that you can get in Northwest Arkansas. Exactly. And that's true of a lot of supplements. Or for people that just want a certain type of local produce, they know that the co-op is going to have local produce in a certain area. And then maybe they're not the person that comes in and, you know, 
loves the fair trade coffee and the local beer like I do, and there to get something else, there's a really great product there. You know, this time of year, the apples. The apples are just off the chain at the co-op right now. They are. If you haven't seen the apple display, they are. or if you listen to this some other time, come back at some point in late fall and that the apples at ONF right now are just ridiculous. They're beautiful. They're from all over the world. It's really incredible. The heritage, the black apple. I mean, yeah, we have those arc blacks in there right yeah, now. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. I mentioned that on another podcast episode that we did. And it just so happened that because of the season when we're doing this episode, apples are big right now. And yeah. it's kind of cool to be able to take part in that. So, so. I want to ask you, because obviously we invited you on because we really wanted to get a little bit of insight into the role of the board at a co-op, right? And both of you guys have had a fair amount of time on the board. So you've kind of seen it all. You've been through highs, you've been through lows, but I would love to, for the uninitiated, for them to have a better understanding of the importance and role of the board in any co-op for that matter, but specifically for our co-op and why the board is important and why people should interact with the board and have some understanding of how the board operates and maybe come to a meeting once a year at least, an annual members meeting, to come out to that and learn more about your co-op and exactly what's happening. So I don't know who wants to take the first stab at it. I'll take the first stab at this. And it's a really simple answer. The the board is responsible for visioning for the future of the co-op. Now you can go a little bit deeper in there. The co-op the board at the co-op has one employee and that is the general manager. Right. So the board is not involved in day-to-day operations. We're not in charge of personnel. Our one employee is a general manager who reports to us through a series of reporting throughout the year. It is important as a member, if you want to get involved in your co-op and feel like you're making a difference and to truly make a difference, come to a board meeting and express what you want to see out of the co-op and where do you want us to go? Do you want us to expand? Do you want us to go into new markets? Do you want us to try something new? That is the space where members have the opportunity and via, you know, online communication is come to a board meeting and talk to us. I mean, that's that's what we're here for. I mean, yeah. we have a a spot in the agenda every single month that is dedicated to owner comments, member comments. But really just to put it simply is we vision. We see where we want to go in the next year, five years, 10 years. But also we have a fiduciary responsibility to make sure the place doesn't fall apart. So, right. <laughs> Yes, yes. So that comes with in putting the right person in the general manager position right. and having the confidence that they empower their people to make the best decisions for the business. So I'll leave it at that and let you take it from here, Joshua. <laughs> no, I think you hit the main points, Danielle, that are really important for us to, if we were to break down the board's role or our, our duties and responsibilities in, in three big categories, I mean, yeah, I think you named them, which is that we hire the GM and we make sure that the general manager is doing that work. That's our one employee. We have a fiduciary role. And then we're also looking to the future and what is, what's the future course? What's the best direction for the co-op as a whole? I think there's a little bit more nuance to that than just those three categories. One thing as a co-op, and you know, we're different than every other business. Co-ops are special businesses. Yeah. Arkansas has cooperative law. A lot of states in the United States have their own version of what's cooperative law. So as a co-op, we are an incorporated business and we're incorporated within cooperative law. And that's different. And one of the things it requires is that you have a board of directors that is elected by your members and they perform essential duties 
on behalf of the members. And so there's the fun part of what the board does, which is divisioning and think about the future. Or maybe if you really, really like financial reports and <laughs> that sort of stuff, that's the fun part too. Yeah. There's the talking to the members and doing the outreach and education. That's really fun too. But then there's these essential business and legal roles that we have. And that is to get reporting. We see reporting, levels of reporting that most members don't have the time to look at. And we make the time to read it. We actually make sure that there is financial reporting. We vote to, to have an audit. Or right. we, we direct the, the co-op to pursue audit, to make sure that the financials are clean, to make sure that we're legally above the board. We take on a certain risk on behalf of the entire co-op because although we are covered for business, bad business decisions by lots of different kind of legal covers, there are certain things that it is the board's responsibility that the co-op does, like paying taxes. Right. If the co-op doesn't pay its taxes, our, the board has... And I'm sorry to break it to anybody that was really excited about board work, but there are there's a little bit of risk. That's the one thing that the board would be responsible for is if your business doesn't pay its taxes. But that all falls under the fiduciary responsibility. So the board is a fiduciary on behalf of the members. And that's yeah. a really, really key role. And then that visioning work, that's another like, major, major job of the, of the board. But we have to continue looking to the future instead of looking at what the daily operations is. Hopefully, the store is functioning well. Hopefully the staff is happy and hopefully that we're selling groceries and we're doing all that stuff. And if, you know, that stuff isn't working, if some logistics or some systems aren't at play, then the board needs to be concerned about that. But really the board has to do this hard work of talking to urban planners, to talking to local farmers, talking to futurists, talking to economists, reading, educating itself, talking to our general manager about what their plans are, how are they receiving information, uh, and having these conversations about what's the five, 10 years, what's the impact. And then we also have a, this governance role, which intersects with all of that, which is we have policies, we have rules, we have procedures. We're different than other businesses in lots of ways. And one of the ways is that, and this is how I like to think of it, like my little personal approach to the co-op in our meetings, is that we are a laboratory of democracy. Yeah. And so we are a better organization than any other organization, or at least we should be. So we should always be aspiring to being the best organization, not just business, a better organization. That means that we have rules and we follow them. Yeah. We hold ourselves accountable. We hold other people in the organization accountable. We listen to the will of our members. We provide avenues to get feedback. We ensure that elections happen. Yeah. We do all of this really important work and as a showpiece, as an exemplar of what good governance can look like. Yeah. You know, one thing that stands out to me as I kind of replay in my head the actual focus of our meetings is the simple fact that, you know, we take time to go over, you know, every bylaw. We take time to go over every position within the co-op. Is there room for improvement on in our corporate governance, our policies and procedures? We're constantly refining them. Mm -hmm. So it's not like we're in a vacuum and nothing is happening. The co-op actually is a living, breathing thing that's in a constant state of change for the better, Yeah. even during tough times like what we just came out of in the pandemic. Yeah, yeah change is a constant. And whether you, it's the choice is whether you're planning for change or you're just allowing change to happen to you. Yeah. And so one of those things that the co-ops board has to do is to be anticipating change, planning for change, and trying to make the best of it, but also refining all the processes. And something Danielle said earlier about inviting the members to come to the meetings, telling the board, writing us emails, we need to know what your ideas are. 
Yeah. And that's another responsibility of our board is that we have to get information from everybody because it's not just nine people in a room making decisions all the time. Sometimes it feels like that. Yes, it does. But we have to be getting feedback and then creating as much of a body of information as we possibly can with as many diverse viewpoints as possible in order to set those future plans. Yeah. One thing I want to add, too, is being a board member, it's a voluntary position. (laughs) Yes. There is no pay involved. (laughs) Not in that sense. Right. I mean, your heart really has to be in it. So, And also... Just because we're a cooperative does not equate being a nonprofit. So I think some people get the misconception that it's a cooperative. It's also a nonprofit. Not the case. We are a for-profit business. We, at the end of the day, we still got to, you know, sling the kale. We got to sell the meat, you (laughs) know. Sling the kale. (laughs) You don't have a choice because you want to keep the doors open. Exactly. I mean- like any viable business, we have to make a profit to continue to serve our community and to be there. So profit is not a bad thing. Yeah. And of course, we want to be a really good business. Right. right. Being a good business, having the profit, having you know mm-hmm. the margin that allows you to you know well keep up with inflation these yeah. days, which is a big concern, but also make the store nice, create an mm-hmm. environment where people want to be there. Make it a, a great employer. A lot of co-ops set a goal of being the best employer in their community. And our co-op certainly aspires to that. So, you know, finding a way to, yeah, make money and keep the doors open, but also make that money, make your community better. Yeah. Yeah. And compensating our local producers. So, you know, our farmers that sell to us, it has to be worth their while to sell their products to us. Yeah. Yeah, And that's one of the things that I just, I just truly, truly love about Ozark Natural Foods is our commitment to our local producers and they are compensated. Yeah. And that's not true of... I don't want to name names necessarily, but there are corporate <laughs> businesses out there that sell a lot of organic food and a lot of local food that don't have the relationship with their local farmers and other producers that we do. And we really take that seriously. And with, during the peak months, to have 120, 130 local producers represented in your co-op and know that they're getting compensation for that, that they're not taking a hit just to sell at the co-op. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. And also the cool thing is that we're talking multi-generational oh, farmers. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we're working with the that the son of whose grandfather served the co-op when it first opened back in the seventies. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you've got, I mean, you have those examples that we see on a regular basis. So. The Valines family, the Valines family has been you know, growing food in the Boxley Valley near the Buffalo River since the eighteen forties, and they are their latest generation of farmers sell the co-op. Yeah, yeah, and through the farmhand mm-hmm. program that is where you round up right. at the register, that has been an incredible avenue for our local producers to have the resources to build an extra greenhouse so they can grow more food. Um, I mean, we have raised some serious coin yeah. for some of those it's programs. When, when the emergency strikes, like we've had farmers who like lose something with a flood or, yeah. mm-hmm. you, know, a, you know, a greenhouse gets knocked down or, yeah. um, I mean, Carol Ann's lost a bridge out of her place and mm-hmm. she was one of the first people to sell organic shiitake mushrooms in the entire country and mm. she had been a, a vendor for the co-op forever and so we were able to use farmhand and the and the members it's using the members will and yeah. support to go in and help other people yeah we definitely aren't always perfect but i mean we put our heart into yeah. it and i think the heart and soul of the co-op and the staff and the board i mean it's reflected in in what we do yeah. So it's just caring. And, and you know, of course, you're dealing with people, 
So yeah. <laughs> there's that. <laughs> that's that's always the unique factor of it's it, right? I mean, if it was just if it was just fruits and vegetables, our jobs might be a lot easier. But you know, people bite, and yeah. so you have to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, there's always <laughs> I'm just, conflict. I'm just I mean, being nice. I mean, it is life. it is what it is. Yeah. But that's the case, and I think it, in any organization, mm-hmm. you have those challenges. And I mean, Joshua, I know you. As I said earlier, you have been afforded the opportunity to go around the country and consult with other co-ops and specifically with their boards and to talk with them. And and I think one of the clear understandings is that not every co-op is created equal. Yeah. And uh, for every single co-op, individual co-op, there's as many stories about that co-op as there are members. Yeah. And then every co-op is different. So there are literally thousands and thousands of different stories, narratives about what co-ops mean to the country, to communities. Yeah. There's co-ops all around the world. Yeah. You know? They're not unique to little, you know, cute college towns. Uh, <laughs> you know, but they're all over. There are co-ops that are big and small. There are co-ops that are as, as few as just a, a few hundred members. And there's co-ops that do tens of millions of dollars in sales every year and are dominant stores in their communities. And so they're all they're all different and they all have a different role to play in their community. Yeah. I think different co-ops will approach their work in different ways. You know, we mentioned earlier how, you know, we are a food co-op. We are a consumer co-op. We're not a producer co-op. We're not a financial co-op. There's lots of different types of co-ops. Credit unions are co-ops. There are electrical co-ops, like Danielle mentioned. You know, half of the state of Arkansas gets its <laughs> electricity from electrical co-ops. Right. So REI is a co-op. REI is a yeah. co-op. And so there's producer co-ops as well. Grassroots, local producer co-op that we have here that, you know, some of the best meat that you'll ever have. But we are a consumer co-op. And that's what we do. And consumer co-ops have been around since the 1840s in England and the United States. And um, I have gotten to work with a lot of different co-ops around the country as a board consultant specifically. So talking about governance, but then also just seeing how they interact with the community, what conversations are they having. There there are similarities. Yep. There are some things that happen at every food co-op in particular. But there's also things that are going to happen with every group of people getting together to try to make something complicated and messy work. I mean, those sorts of things that you'll see at, you know, a local school board meeting. You right. Might see those things happening at your food co-op, too. You know, with the ONF, since we've been around since 1971, I mean, we are, yes, a food co-op, but we're also an institution. Yeah. And that's something that I take very seriously personally about our co-op, but also about what co-ops can be in their community is that they have a role to play that kind of goes beyond even the cooperative principles. And it goes beyond what they, you know, just selling whatever they sell. They are a pillar of what's best in their community in a lot of ways. And there are there are cities like Fayetteville around the country that have had co-ops there. I mean, some cities, uh, you know, Vermont have had co-ops since the 1930s, 1920s even, that are still in business and they still have this, they're, still have this essential role to play in their community and are one of the things that centers the cities that they live in, that they exist in. Yeah. Well, you know, I have a question for you. Should co-ops, including ours, grow? I mean, should they get bigger or should they kind of stay, you know, somewhat in a, you know, something that you can get your arms around, <laughs> right? And I and I think of that because, I mean, there, there are co-ops like PCC out, yeah, in, out, massive in the, co-op. out in the Northwest. I mean, there are 17 locations. I mean, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't know that Ozark Natural Foods could ever get to that size, but I mean, should co-ops be content to stay a certain size or should they, you know, should they aspire to grow? You know, a community chooses to have a co-op and that's, it's different from other businesses 
in lots of ways, but that's really an essential difference as well is that, you know, a big corporation could come in and decide they're going to put a business in your town. Yeah. But the only way to have a co-op is the people decided to have it there because they have to organize. They have to do the fundraising. They have to get the thing going. They have to keep it going. They have to shop there. But that happens because co-ops meet a need. Yeah. So how does the co-op best meet that need? It could be that a co-op meets the need by being small, that, you know, it's a it only sells certain things or, you know, the community only needs it to do certain things. They like this aspect of it. They don't want it to do this other thing. And it could be successful in this, in the American economy of, of the 21st century. It's hard to be a business that doesn't change and grow and expand. Yeah. And so if your co-op is trying to meet the needs of your community, stay competitive, but also stay a really good employer, be idealistic, be a purpose-driven business, which is that's a phrase I borrowed from Columinate, which is the organization that allows me. It's a, it's a co-op of cooperatives. They allow me to consult different businesses. But if it's going to be a purpose-driven business, then it has to find a way to be a successful business. And that often means growing. Yeah. Growing sales. In this, this particular moment in America with inflation the way it is right now and the grocery sector outstripping inflation rates even in other parts of the economy, groceries are getting more expensive faster than everything else. We have to keep up with the prices. We have to keep up with price selection. We have to be really, really careful. And that really means selling more groceries. Right. And it's just, we aren't, we aren't going to be able to keep up if we don't sell more groceries and have enough money coming in from those sales to pay for the store. But to get back to this question, is growth essential for a co-op? I think there's different ways to think of growth. And one way is that, well, think of your skin, right? Your skin grows constantly. Yeah. You're not getting bigger all the time, <laughs> but you are definitely growing new skin, Yeah, right? And so growth, like change, is happening if you are a thriving organism. If you're not a thriving organism, you're not growing new stuff. That is a problem. So a co-op has to think of itself as ever-changing and adapting to the needs, the needs of the organization, but also the needs of the community. I mean, if a community doesn't have a need for a co-op anymore... It's really simple what happens. There's no more co-op in that right. community. People yeah. don't shop there. And that could be because the community changed. The people that really loved that co-op or needed that co-op, maybe they don't want it anymore. Or it could be because the co-op as an organism didn't do the stuff it needed to do to thrive. And so if it is thriving and is meeting the needs, it's going to be a nice, healthy co-op that continues to grow and change. And how what that growth looks like, well, that's up to the members of that co-op. It could be becoming this multifaceted business. It could mean going into different sectors other than just selling groceries. Lots of co-ops do that. Beautiful co-op that's up in Philadelphia that's expanded into multiple locations, the Weaver's Way co-op. Yeah. Um, they are in everything from you know auto repair to pet food sales to all sorts of other things. And I've known those that the board members of that co-op for a long time. I knew them when they were just a they had a little cafe and just a grocery store. Mm-hmm. And now they're doing all these other things in the last 10 years, 15 years since I've been involved with co-ops. I've seen them do all that. You could take the approach of controlling that supply chain. You mentioned supply chain issues earlier. There are co-ops that also do that. You know, We are going to step in and fix these problems. We're going to make sure our products are getting there and we're going to pay our truck drivers better and we're going to get food to other places and we're going to sell food or distribute food to other businesses, not just our co-op grocery store. So there have been examples of co-ops expanding out and doing that. And there's 
you know, co-ops in Europe that do every single aspect of the vertical integration of their of what makes them a business. So how aspirational is your co-op? How much does it want to do? <laughs> but then back to the question, is it meeting the needs? Is yeah. it meeting the needs of the members? And you got to keep asking yourself that and checking in, you know, having Every a safe day. place Just where like you check in. Every one of our board meetings, we read our end statement, which yeah. is what is the change that we are going to create in the world? What right. is our impact? And so you have to check in on it. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah, you've given, you've shared a lot here. What are some of your biggest concerns for the future for co-ops in general? I mean, you know, one of the things that you mentioned was that bigger companies can come in that are corporate run companies. I can think of one that begins with W and ends with F, Whole Foods. <laughs> they came into this market and, you know, really gave Ozark Natural Foods a, a run for its money. The difference is that with us, the co-op being that we really are a local based business, right? You know, I heard a statistic earlier and this may or may not be 100% accurate, but it sounds like it's right. 67 cents of every dollar is recirculated in our community that's from right. the co-op. And so, I mean, that's a lot, you know, I mean. We're a six cents at Whole Foods. Every six cents for every dollar goes back to the community there. So one tenth yeah. of the amount of money that actually that we collect that actually comes right back into the community. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's important. I mean, we we've used that st statistic to talk about different communities in terms of the dollars that they spend economically and why it's important to be able to recirculate that money in your local economy. Yeah, but you know, you asked about what's worrisome for co-ops or what's the future look like? And part of Whole Foods being, and since you did the WF, I'll go ahead and name it. No, Whole, Foods. <laughs> Whole Foods is, um, they are owned by Amazon. Yeah. And so I'm not here to say that that's necessarily a bad thing because people need products. Yep. And Anyone who has an Amazon Prime account, and by that I mean everyone, because everyone does at almost at this point, the ability to order things and have it delivered right to your front door, I mean, that's pretty good. And it gets there pretty quickly. And there's lots of efficiencies there for that. And the reason that direct ordering, the curbside delivery, all of these different innovations are happening is because people want them. Yeah. It's consumer driven. Yeah. And so- those are technological innovations. Those are logistical innovations that streamlining. It's consolidation, corporate consolidation that does make certain aspects of the businesses more efficient. And it's tough for a co-op to compete against that. And more than tough, it's impossible. We're not going to compete against this multi-billion dollar efficient corporate structure for things. So we're not going to be able to do Amazon prime type of delivery with Whole Foods. But what can we do besides that? Well, there's lots of things that we can do besides that. For one thing, we can make our money mean more in the community. Yeah. That's something you referred to. We can focus on our customer service. We can really highlight the value of our organization. We can be a local business. You know, people want local just like they want efficient delivery of their products. They also want authenticity and a local flavor, and they want to trust where their products come from and trust the people selling it to them. That's something we can do really well. This is a really tricky time for co-ops and not just Ozark Natural Foods, but any, any co-op, partly because of corporate consolidation in lots of different aspects, whatever area of business you're in. We happen to be a grocery co-op and it's tough right now. Outside of Whole Foods, you have uh, grocery stores like Kroger that are expanding, consolidating as well, that sell way more organic food and natural food than co-ops do. And that's yeah. all co-ops. So 
Whereas in the 1980s or 1990s, co-ops might have sold a lot of, or maybe even half of the organic and natural food. It's nowhere close to that now. And so that we are, we're losing on that aspect of it. Yeah. If you think of it as a competition, which, you know, maybe it's not, maybe it's just getting good stuff to people. But then also with the way prices are and people's daily living expenses going up, to be a small business that's specialized like ours, it's really tough to do that too. So there's lots of things to worry about. Actually having the money that you get through margin at your store to pay all your bills and pay your employees well, that's really, really tough. But there's lots of opportunity all the time as well. One of the things right now that we see in the United States, I think, is you see different needs highlighted. I mentioned earlier that co-ops exist to meet a community need. Yeah. There are other needs that are coming to the surface. Uh, Danielle mentioned earlier the importance of getting f- of addressing food deserts, of getting food to, to people that need it. Yeah, There are cooperative solutions for everything, but there are definitely co-op solutions to getting food to people that need it. There are co-op solutions for controlling rent or addressing people being priced out of their neighborhoods. There are lots of different co-ops around the country that are doing that. And as well as other great organizations, whether it is going into trailer park communities and introducing the cooperative model so that people can actually control their own destiny there, or looking at high-rise apartments and taking models that have been very successful in cities like New York for years and bringing it to, I don't know, college towns in the Ozarks that have (laughs) rapidly increasing rental rates. Absolutely. Um, They are cooperative solutions to meet our needs. And it's... In the 1970s, um, a need in the Ozarks was natural food and bridging the gap between the farmer's market and the store. Yep. And our co-op did a brilliant job of addressing that. And going forward, what are the big needs in our area and around the country? And what are ways that we can address those needs that's not just, well, sending rockets to the moon? (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I think you you summarized it perfectly and kind of laid it out for what you know, what the board does and, and how things are done from that perspective. Because again, I think a lot of times people don't realize the sausage making that takes place behind closed doors <laughs> with a co-op board. I mean, it's not as cut and dry as we'd like to we'd like to think. And I think for anybody listening to this, it's one of the reasons why we encourage involvement at the board level and we encourage participation. We encourage people to raise their hands and say, hey, you know what? I've been coming to this co-op for the last two years. And I want to be a part of the solution of helping this co-op continue to grow. And one way you can do that besides bringing your dollars into the co-op is to be a part of the board, run for the board. Or talk to us, come to our meetings and talk to us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We have people come, not all the time, but quite frequently. And then in addition to those individuals that come, those members, we also bring in subject matter experts in our area to give us the lay of the land and, yeah. and what we can expect. So we're not just sitting there in a room talking to each other. We do that, <laughs> but we also bring other people in that can give us some clarity of where this area is going mm-hmm. and how we can remain relevant through that change. Yeah. And I think one concern that I you know see for the co-op for the future is being a competitive employer in this landscape. So ensuring that our staff members are, you know, compensated accordingly and they're compensated enough so they'll want to stay right. at the co-op. Right. So we don't have that high turnover. So where someone can feel confident in the work that they do and they want to build upon that and stay there. And it's hard. It's it's hard to balance that of, you know, making sure people are 
compensated accordingly. The profit margins are where they need to be. We're serving the needs of the community. And I mean, it's all in a it's all in a board's work, you know, <laughs> and we don't just going back to, you know, we aren't responsible for wages at the co-op, but we sure have a responsibility that the general manager is right. empowering the right people and, and making sure that staff relations are where they should be. So I think just staying competitive and organic and natural food is not cheap. No, so, I not. mean, you can thank some of your farm subsidies for that, uh, but that's a greater conversation for another day. But good food isn't cheap and it's hard to maintain that level of affordability because people need to see the value in the products that they're buying. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's lots of problems right now, <laughs> <laughs> uh, not just in the co-op, of course, you know, in the yeah. co-op, you know, I mean, everyone that reads the news, everyone that's trying to buy gas for Although I paid two forty nine for gas yesterday, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, at the time of recording, this gas has gotten cheaper than it was but, just know, a few months but, but ago. Certainly, other things are more expensive if you're trying to buy a house right now. Mm -hmm. Good yeah, luck. Yeah, um, good luck. But there, you know, all that to say, when there are lots of problems, when there's tricky things, things that seem too complex, you need better ideas. You need new ideas, and so that's why we encourage people, like as you say, Randy, experts come to our meetings. But anybody from the community, tell us what you think. Yeah. You know, that's not going to be a board decision, maybe that night or in the next couple of weeks, but it certainly goes into, I like to describe it as a hopper of ideas. There's a hopper of ideas where the best thing's going to pop up. And that's the thing that we're going to see. And if we have more ideas, that means more things in the hopper. That's more stuff that we can consider. And there's more ways for us to give direction and also evaluate the success of the co-op because we have to, we have to be improving. We have to be meeting needs. Yeah. Yeah. You talked about growth earlier. And for us, when we were in Evelyn Hills, we kind of got to this point of our monthly sales that it was just stagnant. And we realized that no more growth was really going to happen at that location. Right. So that was a lot of the motivation to move to our current location and build that out because not only are we in a more walkable area, the accessibility is greater, but there's more opportunity for growth there. And like Joshua said earlier, it's figuring out what the need is in the community. So for some co-ops, it may not be buying a new location and building it out because that's very expensive yeah. or it can be at least. But it's figuring out how do you serve your community, your high need communities that can't just go in and get you know the groceries there. How do you continue to serve them and ensure their needs are met? So maybe that's what growth looks like. It's looking inward and to your community and not just expanding outward. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it, it, you're you're so right about that, and I think that is that is the challenge that the board is faced with is is helping the GM and having these conversations to kind of move things forward. Because I remember there were a lot of people that actually were against the move to the new location, mm -hmm. not necessarily on yeah. the board, but just in general. People were like, "Why are we moving?" I change mean, change is scary. Yeah, change is yeah. really scary, and. But now I think in hindsight, you're like, oh, my gosh, this is the best thing since sliced bread. I mean, this mm -hmm. building is beautiful. We've, you know, been, uh, you know, on the short list of some national awards and mm -hmm. people like hanging out on that patio. And, you know, there's a lot to see and a lot to do. And, you know, I think honestly, in terms of our new location, we have created an environment where we have been welcoming to everyone for a variety of reasons. 
You've got the people that just come up and grab a scone and a coffee every day on a regular basis. You've got people like Josh that come and get all kinds of meats that are available. <laughs> I mean, you've got and then everybody in between. Well, you, have, you, have yeah. the peop, you have the people that come and get the, the compost and, you know, other yeah. gardening materials that they need out of out of Homestead. So, I mean, we are meeting a variety of individuals needs right here in the community at the corner of Lafayette and North College. You know, one of the things about that location that we're in, and it's so beautiful, and, you know, it's uh, the Modus Architects and the work that happened to make it look the way it does. It's a really, it was a locally driven idea. It was a local solution. It was a co-op-led thing with a bunch of community partners. It's really a beautiful, a beautiful thing that happened. Yeah. You know, I wanted the, and I say that in part because I've heard from people, it's like, oh, well, this is the co-op looking slicker or this is the co-op trying to be corporate, whatever that means, or this is the co-op doing this or that. But this is the co-op putting everyone welcome right on the front door in an eye-catching space that's right at the heart of this city Yep, where we can do lots of things that we couldn't do in the past. Like we didn't have a big, beautiful patio space where anyone could sit out there and study Yeah, and, you know, get a coffee. We just didn't have that. We didn't have a community meeting space. It took a lot of integration and working with people and generating ideas you know the conversations that led to that move go back oh, years years i mean danielle <laughs> and i probably would have been involved with the conversation that led to that six years ago oh yeah so ago, i've been on here since yeah. 2013 year yeah. 2012 i think 2015 15, 16 probably, we started yeah, 15 just... probably just like to think okay so this isn't working where we are what yeah. what's our next move mm-hmm. but also how's the community changing yeah. how are we going to evolve to meet that need that's how that that beautiful space at Lafayette and College happened. Yeah, and what do we do when competition enters the market? So yeah, exactly. you know, the staff, <laughs> yeah. we knew competition yeah. was coming years before they were they sure, arrived. Sure, so sure. We had plenty of years to prepare, and you know, and there'll be more competition in the yeah. future. There will be more competition yeah. in the future, yeah, and there'll be new macroeconomic changes or whatever that makes us continue to innovate. Yeah, yeah, and I like to take the approach of there is. Plenty of uh, abundance in the market, you know, yeah. so if it's there and, you know, you're a semi-viable business that <laughs> welcomes people, <laughs> yeah. you know, regardless of what it is, people will frequent your business. Sure. You know, so if it's there and available, you know, it's kind of the build it and they will come mentality. Yeah. But, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. So <laughs> yeah. I'd like to think that just even yeah. even our move alone to Lafayette and North College kind of awoken our interactions with the university. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, of course, granted, they didn't have anywhere else to go. They being the students didn't have anywhere else to go during the pandemic. So they ended up coming and hanging out in our space. And and we were obviously happy to have them. But now they are a fixture up there. Right. When they could go and, you know, study on campus or something like that, they head on over to the patio or head on over to our, our, our open area there in the tap room. Yeah. And that's, Cultivating a new generation to the co-op. And that is so important for the viability (laughs) is you're not always going to have the people that founded it shopping there. So at some point, you have to recruit, bring in new people that are going to continue frequenting your business and ensuring that it's profitable. Yeah. And, you know, all those people that are shopping there, a lot of them don't know what co-op is. Right. That's grocery fine. Store. Yeah. 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 They think it's a grocery store. They think it's the place where they go study that has a really great coffee. They think it's this. They think it's 
the place where you got to get there early because the parking lot's going to fill. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever they think about what it is, right. they have a little bit of familiarity now with mm-hmm. the big COOP that's on the wall. The right. coop. The yeah. Coop. yeah. The coop. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and obviously things like this podcast creating more awareness mm-hmm. about what we're all about. What is the board and, and just why you should even care that we have a co-op smack dab in the middle of downtown Fayetteville. Yeah. And we would love for every member to be involved in everything and come to our board meetings. But the reality of it, and y'all have touched on it, too, that's not the needs of every shopper. So, you know, some people just want to get in, get their groceries, Mm -hmm. get the heck out. And then you have some members who really want to be involved in in the committees and being at our annual membership meeting. But that's not for everybody. Everybody's busy. They've got their own life. So sometimes at the end of the day, the last thing you want to do is go to a board meeting when everything (laughs) seems to be working just fine. Why why am I wasting my time? So it's just respecting our ownership, our membership, and and their boundaries and just creating a space where you're welcome to come if you want to. We'd sure love to have you. Yeah. (laughs) But that's not contractual with your membership. Sure. You know, you, yeah. you can sign up to be a member. It doesn't mean that you have to come to like all these meetings. Right. Lots of different ways to participate. Yeah. There yeah, are. Just tell, just there tell are. a friend to shop at the co-op there. You've participated. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Exactly. That's, and that's half the battle right Repeat there. Just referrals. doing that. Yeah. yeah. So, well, guys, you, you really have, I appreciate you, first of all, both of you guys, because uh, working on uh, the board with you has been a pure delight, but I appreciate the it's mutual, sir. It's a pleasure to have you as our president. Thank yes, you, you have thank been you. so, so wonderful for <laughs> thank, this board. Thank you very much. Well, it, it's a it's a lot har- it's mm-hmm. a lot harder than it looks. So yeah. Um, but suffice, <laughs> yeah, so. you know what they say: be careful what you ask for because you just might get it. And when you get it, it's like, oh my gosh! So <laughs> there's a reason I've not been volunteered to be president. I just, right, right. Y'all right. have the. Oh, we the we gumption would that be the right word? You're ready, Daniel. <laughs> yes, oh, I've yes, been ready yes. for years, but I like taking the that's sit back funny. role. That's all good. So, but no, I I'm actually thankful for all of the board members at the co-op because they give of themselves. I mean, they have families, they have businesses, they have jobs, they've got social lives, and yeah. and they give of themselves to the co-op. In just an unselfish way. So I, I really appreciate each and every board member. I would encourage anyone listening to this to try to connect with even just one board member, get to know them and, and talk with them. You'd be surprised. I'm, I'm happy to sit down with anyone and have a cup of coffee and talk about the co-op and talk about some of the ideas of what we're trying to do and even hear some of your ideas of what you think we should do at the co-op because we're always open to that. That's not lip service. That is reality. Oh, some of the best conversations I've had so again, being on the board for 11 years now, some of the best conversations I've had have just been with people wanting to talk about the co-op and it could be any number of things. Yeah. I mean, I'll be at a music show down on Dixon Street <laughs> and I'm talking about the co-op. Yep. Be out yep. like some kid's birthday party. Sure. Out on some farms and where talking about the co-op and that's great. I mean, that's uh, that's a pleasure and a joy of being on the board. Well, you yeah. do it so well. Yeah. I mean, oh, I, I love I love talking co-op. You as an archivist, I mean, you, you are literally just a book of information. Sure. So, thank you. And, and it's fine if people want to close that book sometimes. That's, that's fine too. That's all good. That's all good. You can always open it back up. <laughs> no, but seriously though, thank you guys both so much for joining us on this inaugural podcast that we're doing for the co-op and uh, we appreciate you just kind of sharing a little bit of your history and the history of the co-op and its board and the importance of the board. So uh, I want to thank you both for that. Thanks, Randy. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Well, we appreciate you taking the time to learn more about Ozark Natural Foods, the co-op. This podcast was developed to highlight a community created more than 50 years ago with a focus on the love of food that is good for us and our planet. We have plenty of stories to tell, so stay tuned for more. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and we'll see you back here soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Ozark Natural Foods, the co-op podcast. Whether you are new to the area and looking for a healthy grocery store, or you've been here for ages but didn't know the whole story about Ozark Natural Foods, the co-op, this podcast, is one of the best places to start. For more information about the co-op, please visit our website at onf.coop to learn more. That's onf.coop. At Ozark Natural Foods, the co-op, we mean it when we say keeping it local since 1971.